Now, we'll be using the words, as I said, to fuel our prayers that Jesus might be known and known more by us here tonight and everyone else around the world. But you might be sitting there wondering to yourself, who exactly is this Jesus? Who is this person that these Christians keep banging on around and keep following? Well, let me clear that up for you simply. Jesus, the Bible says, is God. Now that is a big claim. It's a contentious claim, it's controversial. But it's the topic that we're going to be looking at tonight. Now Christians, that is not a cue for you to switch off. Knowing this truth is not just a tick box exercise, it is in fact the very crux of your faith. The deity of Christ ought to shape everything in our lives as a result of it. And it's going to shape our, night, our prayers tonight. We need to revisit this question. Who is Jesus? Is he God? And be confident in the answers that the Bible says. And we're, going, we're not the first people to be asking this question which is why we are going to start looking at the start of the letter to Hebrews in the New Testament. If you have one of these red Bibles, it's on page 1201, Hebrews chapter one. Now, Ashley, one of our apprentices here at Charlotte Chapel, uh, took us to Hebrews last month when looking at the humanity of Christ. But that's not where the writer starts their betrayal their portrayal of Jesus. So read with me as we go through Hebrews 1 and the first four verses. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir over all things and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Let me quickly pray for us. Heavenly Father, this is a, a big topic and it's sometimes hard to get our heads around. Lord, would you provide divine inspiration to our human minds to understand this concept that Jesus is God? Help us tonight, Lord. In your name, amen. Okay, so this letter to the Hebrews, we don't know exactly who the author was. We don't know exactly who the original intended audience was. But we do know the message. Jesus is God. Jesus is God by sound. We're going to see in verses one and two. 
Jesus is God by sight in verse three. And then Jesus is God by name, verse four. So first of all, Jesus is God by sound. Now some may argue that God in heaven is a distant and silent God. But the Jewish readers who would have been reading this would have known that that was never the case. Read verse one. God wants us to know him communicated by the prophets. And this wasn't just a rare occurrence. Have a look at the size of the Old Testament and it will show you that God spoke at various times. And the breadth of stories and characters that we meet show that he did that in various ways, just as verse one tells us. Prophets were men bringing God's message to God's people. He would bring their message his message, his promises, his instructions, his warnings, his encouragements, his judgments. But, verse two, in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. Not Joseph's son, not Mary's son, not the ancestor's son, but God's son. And who is his son? Verse two. He is the heir of all and creator of all. And he doesn't inherit this by just being God's favorite prophet, not just by being lucky. No, he has a rightful ownership over all things because, verse two, he is the creator of all. It was all created through his words. You can read about that in John's gospel. None of the former prophets were there at creation, only the Son. The Son's existence is bookended in eternity past, being outside of the created order, creating all, and eternity future, inheriting all forever. The Son comes and he brings the message of God. Now this is not just another of the mediums of the various ways which God speaks, but a profoundly new way. Not just a soundbite of God, but the full podcast. Not just a snippet, but the full album. Not just the solitary instrument, but the full band. Have you got the picture? And yet God in all this time, through Jesus speaking, has not changed his tune. The son's message echoes and fulfills all that has gone before him and requires nothing further to be added to it to fulfill it. So in short, verses one and two, in the past, God spoke through mere men. But now, in the end, in these last days, he has spoken to us, himself through Christ. Now he did not only bring a message but also a picture. Jesus did not just come to tell us who God is and what he is like. He came to display it. Not only God by sound but God by sight, verse three. Let's look at the opening statement of verse three. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. 
This is profound. Notice he is identical to the Father in nature, in character, in power, in knowledge, immortality, yet he is of a different form. He is the image of the invisible God we read in Colossians. The Father is the glory hidden, but the Son has now come is the glory revealed. And this is not just a reflection of this radiance. He's not just reflecting the Father's glory. He is the source himself, just as the Father is also the source. And Jesus is the exact imprint. He is the the unique fingerprint of God coming into physical contact with our world. This is profound, it is mind-blowing. And I hope it gets you excited. And if we want to know what the Father looks like, we simply have to look at the one and only Son. We read in John's Gospel of Jesus replying to Philip in John 14. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us to believe that you are God, he's essentially saying. Jesus answers, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. But not only do we see God's nature in Jesus, we also see God's action. So verse three, what is he doing? He, first of all, sustains all by his word. Second of all, He sits on his throne in heaven. He is the glorious king, sustaining and reigning over all. He is the ruler. Now this image that we might have in our head of this king is perhaps not a difficult one for us to come to terms with. If we were to think of God, we would think of an almighty reigning God. And neither would the Jewish readers at this time either thinking of a God to come, a promised God. But the Jesus we meet in the Gospels and the Jews that came and encountered with him sometimes would not have fitted the bill of this almighty God. We can read in Luke 8, for example, that, that Jesus calms the storm with nothing other than his words. He he commands evil spirits to leave demon-possessed men. And he can raise a dead girl back to life again. But he also speaks of the not-so-glorious poor and how to treat them. And surrounds himself with not-so-glorious people. And despite such a large following that he seems to generate in his day, he is arrested, he is tried, and he's killed like a common criminal. Now what what kind of image of God is this? Here is the, the creator of all, the heir of all, the sustainer of all, the unique, pure, sinless son of the most high God giving up his glory to die. This radiant one of God's glory must give up that glory and die a 
very unglorious death. Why? Well, have a look again at verse 3. You see that slotted in there? Provided purification for sins. Now, that's another profound statement of what Jesus is doing here. Here we see the mission of Christ. The sinless God sacrifices himself so that your sins might be washed away. He doesn't remain dead after being tried and crucified, but he is raised three days later, proving that he has power over all, including death. Death can't hold him. And his glorious throne awaits him in heaven on high, on the far side of the cross. Now he doesn't just inherit a throne, he also inherits a name. Finally looking at verse four. No one can dispute his position through his actions and victory. He didn't need to come and prove himself, yet this reinforces his superiority. This is something no other human being can compete with. No prophet, no one is on par with Christ. And verse four, we can see that no one in the heavenly realms can compete with Christ. Christ right now is sharing in his glory on his throne with the angels, but there's no disputing over who that throne belongs to and who the name above all names is reserved for. Now, thinking back to our original question, where do you hold the name of Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Do you know who you're dealing with tonight? If, if Jesus is new to you, or if you have questions around this high claim of Jesus, I would encourage you to read something like John's Gospel, where you can see an account of his life, of his works, what he said, what other people said about him, and come to make up your own mind. There is no other point, uh, part of the Christian faith that is worth considering before the identity of Christ. We all give Jesus a name. What is he to you? Jesus says himself that all who seek an answer will find it. And we can find that in the Gospels. Now Christians, just quickly, may this passage give us a sense of perspective. We do not bring prayers to the Father in our own name, I hope you notice, but in his. You do not have access to the throne room of heaven in your own name. It's his. Yet, as you sign off your prayers tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to think about what that means and also what is possible if we ask for it in his name. I think as we respond in prayer, it's probably helpful to look at the the song that we just sang. So, David, I hope you could put up the slide for us of thinking of, I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. 
I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. Consider this verse. Consider the names that are given to Christ in the rest of Hebrews 1 as we respond in prayer tonight.